Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Well, I've been praying for this all week. Uh, probably not you, but anyway, um, yeah, just lots of prayer um, with all the things kind of going on in our world. Uh, hopefully God has been uh, wooing your heart to pray, to take the things that are weighing on us to the Lord and to process that with him. And so, um, yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of good prayer uh, going on, uh, and especially for me in this morning. Man, it, what a time it is to be alive. I mean, sometimes uh, it's hard to say that when you think of like, man, with all the things going on. No, it truly is an amazing time to be alive. And uh, this morning, by way of the introduction to our text, because we're going to dive in. If you have a Bible, just open up to um, Acts 19. We're going to pick up a little bit where we left off last week. We've been going, going through this, uh, our series in Acts. And uh, it's really, Acts is a wonderful book that uh, paints a vision of what followers of Jesus should live like. And, um, and so we see the birth of the church through the book of Acts. And uh, so that's where we're going to be in. So uh, oh, I had a lot of things to say in, in form of introduction, commentary as to kind of like what's happening. Um, I, I, I prayed and wrestled through it for, for quite a bit. Um, I'll say this one sentence, and then we're just going to dive into the Word because I really feel, especially this morning, uh, God's Word... Uh, has some wonderful clarity for us this morning that we're going to dive in, that I think speaks almost directly to what's happening in our culture. Um, but if you, if you want to ask, uh, you know, any more questions as to this sentence, uh, feel free. But uh, as one kind of called to be a shepherd of God's people, uh, shepherds incur harsher uh, judgment because of their leadership position in the kingdom of God, and that's something that I take fairly seriously. I have a lot of thoughts, and, and what I wanted to, what I felt like the Lord is giving me permission to say is this. A good deal of what weighs on my heart and has for a while is the systematic abuse of humanity that is guiding us towards a level of enslavement that we've never imagined. Um, and it's more about the systematic abuse. If you look at, like, what abusers do to victims, okay, in, in a relationship, an abuser and a victim. An abuser does certain things, certain fruits of that abuser towards their victim. It's interesting. A abuser isolates their victim. An abuser controls their victim. They repeatedly lie they say one thing, and yet ne then the next week they turn around and say the opposite thing. It continually keeps the victim confused and scared. A abuser tracks movements. An abuser controls what they wear. 
An abuser threatens their ability to work. An abuser reduces their victim's finances so they have less mobility. They accuse them of being the problem. The abuser accuses the victim of being the problem. They tell them it's all for their own good, and they often have an inability to take responsibility. And I think that we have entered into a somewhat abusive relationship with what's going on around us, and hopefully the Lord can wake us up to say, you have not been born to be a victim. You've been born to be a son and daughter of the living God, guided by the Holy Spirit and God's word to bring true remedy to our planet and the human condition, which is and always has been the gospel of Jesus Christ, to rescue and redeem people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Come on. So, uh, and this is why I'm so glad that we're going through the book of Acts this morning is, or in this last season is because I feel like it's really giving us concrete anchoring to be like, regardless of what's going on out there, I am anchored in Jesus, the one who redeems my soul, the one who rescued us, and the one who uh, will come back and bring ultimate justice. And so that's my little intro. Let's really pray and ask God to have his word illuminate us this morning. Jesus, God, I thank you for the power of your word and just God throughout generations. God, your word speaks so powerfully in each generation. And Father, I pray that we would uh, awaken our heart and our mind and our spirit as to what you're telling us this morning through your word, that, God, we are not going to allow cultural commentary to dictate how we live. God, we are going to, Lord, look at your word and be molded and shaped by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for a little bit of the intro. Obviously, if you have any other questions, feel free to process, but a lot of that's a little more offline. So, um, Last week, we ended with uh, Paul in the church of, of Ephesus, and uh, he had stayed there for about three years, and the power of God was turning the city upside down. And uh, it ended, we ended kind of last week with a lot of these people that had come to know Christ in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus uh, was a city of uh, the temple of Artemis or Diana, and there was a lot of magic and magic ritual and uh, temple worship in the city. Uh, people would come from all over the Roman world to come to uh, kind of Mecca, to Ephesus. And, uh, but because of the power of God, people were getting set free from the kingdom of darkness, and they came and they brought about $1.2 million worth of their magic books and paraphernalia, and they burned it all uh, because they were declaring that we're following Jesus. Uh, we're not going back. And so we pick up that story uh, in Acts 19, verse 23. Now, about that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. There's a few double positives or double negatives in, in this. Anyway, so you kind of have to decipher a little. Come on, everybody. I hope you had a little morning coffee. About that time, there arose a big disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who had made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business, brought a lot of business, to the craftsmen. 
These he gathered together. So he, he, Demetrius grabs these other craftsmen with the workmen and similar trades and says, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger. Not only for this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. Okay, so uh, it goes on, and it says, when they, heard, when they heard this, they were enraged, and they were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, whoa, Aristarchus, Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go among the crowd, his disciples would not let him. Even some of the Asiarchs, their high-ranking officials, uh, who were friends of Paul's, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. <laughs> so I was like, man, what's the, hey, what's the, what's the chaos? Anyway, at, okay, so it was at this point that Satan really attacked. Again, Satan incited a guild of silversmiths to stage a public riot or protest against Paul and the gospel. The enemy had been repeatedly defeated throughout Paul's three years in ministry in Ephesus, and it would have been a master stroke of him to uh, have the climax of Paul's ministry where an, a, a riot is, in, is started and he not only maybe gets arrested but might get killed. That would, that would be a wonderful thing for the enemy. But I will say this, wherever the gospel is preached, it will be opposed by people who love or make profit from superstition and sin. I'll say that again. Wherever the gospel is preached in power, it will be opposed by people who love or make profit from superstition and sin. Paul didn't arouse the opposition of the silversmiths by picketing the temple of Diana. That was not his charge. He didn't rally people up to uh, stage anti-idolatry riots. That's not what Paul did. All he did, now listen now, all Paul did was teach the truth daily and sent out the people that were transformed by Christ to a lost world in the city. As more and more people got transformed by Christ, fewer and fewer customers were available. How does God counter the world? Michaela read a verse that I've been meditating on for the last 18 months. The Lord sees the schemes of man, and he sits up in heaven and laughs. And it's like, I was just saying that just to, I, I just knew that verse, so I'm just like, that comforts me. Okay, Lord's in control. Lord's in control. 
But God's way of defeating the kingdom of darkness is not to use the kingdom of darkness means. It's to always use the power of God and the power of his gospel to change us. Demetrius and the silversmiths were promoting idolatry and immorality in order to make a living, while Paul was declaring the true God and pointing people to the cleansing and redemption that only Jesus and God's free grace can provide. The silversmiths were really more concerned about their jobs and their income than they were of Diana. Right? So when they met together, honestly, they were more concerned about their living than they were about the magnificence of Artemis. But they were wise enough not to make this known publicly. They led with uh, the magnificence of Diana. Uh, regardless of whether we lose money, what's really concerned is Diana. It's like, no, you're really involved in this because you're losing money. Benjamin Franklin said that a mob was a monster with heads enough, but no brain. It is sad that it is sad when people permit themselves to be drummed up and led by selfish leaders who know the art of manipulation, which is what Demetrius was doing. Demetrius made use of the two things the Ephesians loved most, the honor of their city and the greatness of their goddess. Without the help of radio, TV, or newspaper, he got his propaganda machine going, and soon the whole city was in an uproar. Every mob, in its ignorance, blindness, and bewilderment, is a league of frightened men and women that seek reassurance in collective action. I'll say that again. Every mob, in its ignorance, blindness, and bewilderment, is a league of frightened men and women that seek reassurance in collective action. It was a religious mob that shouted, crucify him, crucify him, to Pilate, and eventually they got their way. Case in point here, this confused crowd, some 25,000 people shouting, finally filled up the amphitheater, and most of them did not know what was even happening or why they were there. Hence, the mob without a brain. Then the story goes on. It says, there's this Jewish guy that stands up, and because he doesn't want to be associated with these Jewish believers, and so he tries to stand up and say, hey, I'm just a Jew. We're not associated with them. But because Jews were kind of seen as, well, you're not going to go along with the plan anyway, they yell him down, and they respond, great as Artemis, and they yell, great as Artemis for two hours in this amphitheater. And then finally, this, it says, uh, the town clerk, the town clerk, doesn't even mention his name, the town clerk comes out and says, hey guys, guys, time out, time out, time out. If this riot spins out of control, Rome's going to come in and take over uh, our freedom. So you need to calm down, and he disperses the crowd. But case in point, whenever the gospel is preached in power, Whenever the gospel is preached in power, there's going to be opposition by people who love or make profit from superstition and sin. Now, Paul, this whole journey that Paul was now on was really Paul's kind of last missionary journey. 
He had left Antioch just the chapter prior, and he was going on his last missionary journey to visit all the churches that he had helped plant and support and encourage. And he was going around to those Gentile, mainly churches, and taking up a collection for the church in Jerusalem. Because the church in Jerusalem was suffering under severe persecution. Severe. And not only that, they were poor and being persecuted, but also that rift in between Jew and Gentile wasn't getting much better out, in the, out there. And so I think Paul, to a certain degree, wanted to take a collection from the Gentiles and bring them to the kind of Jewish-based church in Jerusalem to bring unity and, and wholeness to the body of Christ. And so Paul's on this journey. He's encouraging these churches. And in chapter 20, we find Paul in the city of Troas with the believers. Acts verse 20, Acts 20 verse 7. It says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. Now, the reason why this is plural is because Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, at some times in the narrative, he's not with Paul or the, the, the leaders, the apostles at the time. Sometimes he is. And so he changes his tense when he's there with them. So it's a we instead of he. Anyway, praise the Lord. Little nugget. That was free of charge. Anyway. Um, There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, bent over him, and taking him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and broken bread and eaten, eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive, and they were not a little comforted. Ha! They were really encouraged! <laughs> That's another way to say it. They were really encouraged. Luke here gives us a brief snapshot of what these local believers in Troas what they would do all the time. From it, we learned something of how they met and worshipped the Lord. Consider the elements of just what we just read. They, they, it was the Lord's day. They, they met, they began with, they met on the first day of the week, not on the seventh day of the Sabbath, so they were kind of starting maybe their own tradition in Christ. And the first day came to be known as the Lord's day because the Lord rose from the dead on that day. And also Pentecost came on the first day of the week. And so these kind of two to men, so let's celebrate Jesus on this day. And then there's the Lord's day, and then there's the Lord's people. They're assembled. They're, they gathered together. The early church shared uh, uh, upper rooms or, or the space that they had in private residences to gather the church and, and to, to do what we're, what we're going to get into, have supper, message, power of God. Anyway, the assembly would have been a cosmopolitan group, but their social and national distinctions made no difference because they were all one in Christ. When they came into this church, no matter what your status, slave, free, men, women, doesn't matter, all came together because they were one in Christ. Then it says there's, there's Lord's Supper. 
They shared the Lord's Supper. The early church shared a potluck meal called the Love Feast. We probably couldn't get away with that uh, phrase today. But anyway, um, after which they would observe the Lord's Supper. They would do communion. The breaking of bread in, in this refers to the Lord's Supper, but in other areas of Acts, it says breaking bread is just sharing a meal. Sharing a meal, breaking bread. It's amazing what happens uh, when you share a meal with someone, of how you get to know them, you get to know their story, you walk a little in their shoes, and it's amazing what you can learn. So there's the Lord's Supper. Uh, by sharing and eating with one another, the church enjoyed fellowship and also gave witness to their oneness in Christ. Slaves would actually eat at the same table with their masters, something unheard of in that day. Next, there was the Lord's message. Every time they gathered together, they would, they would hear the message of God. The word of God was always declared whenever they got together. This included the public reading of the Old, uh, the Old Testament scriptures as well as the epistles and letters that some of the apostles were writing. Knowing this, knowing that this would probably be his last meeting with the saints and trust, again, this is his last missionary journey, and he had a sense, and it says it kind of throughout uh, this journey that the Lord was giving him sense, like I'm going to draw you to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to lead you to Rome. And through this kind of journey, the church is kind of like preparing Paul to basically get persecuted. So anyway, this is his last time with these people that he had raised up. And so again, he just preaches a long time. He preaches a long sermon, after which he ate and conversed with the people until morning. It's doubtful that many complained. I mean, how many today could kind of like stay up all night? I mean, I went on a missions trip one time to Africa, and uh, man, their prayer meeting, their prayer meeting, Friday nights, every Friday night, five hours long. Music on blast. You thought that that little elephant, little horn thing at the beginning, where is it? No, it's like that loud all the time. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, really fun, but I don't know why I was saying that. Huh? Oh. Yeah. But how we today wish we could have been there to hear the apostle preach. The word of God is important to the people of God, and the preaching and the teaching of the word must be emphasized. The church meets for edification as well as celebration, and that edification comes through the word, <laughs> not through my life stories. Amen? Um, the decadent, the decadent periods and eras in the history of the church have always been those periods when preaching has declined. I will say that. The decadent periods and eras in history of the church have always been those periods when preaching has declined. Whenever we stray away from God's word to try to make it nicer sounding. We begin changing what's inside here so that in our, in our, in our feeble worldly compassionate attempt to win people to Christ, it never does. It is the bold proclamation that we are all dead. We're all headed towards the same direction. Unless you get redeemed and restored by God, that's where we're all headed. It's not a destination you choose. It's because we're broken and we, and anyway, we kind of make our own choice. We make our own choice. God doesn't make the choice for us. 
Lastly, in this little section of what, what they were due all the time, there was the last little portion here. It says it's the Lord's power, not just the Lord's day or the Lord's people, or the Lord's supper, or the Lord's message, but there was always the Lord's power. Whenever there was, uh, whether it was the lateness of the hour or the stuffiness of the room, surely not the dullness of Paul's sermon, I would imagine, I would hope, really, come on. But Eutychus, uh, he falls asleep, and he fell out the window and was killed by the fall. However, Paul just goes outside, lays hands on the brother, raises him from the dead, goes back inside, and continues to preach until the morning. We're not going to let some youth dying, you know, throw off this, throw off what God's doing here. But Paul raised him from the dead. God's power was present at work with his people. So why did I pull these kind of two little passages <laughs> before we kind of finish up Acts next week? It's three, three little points. Number one, stay focused on the main things. <laughs> With all the stuff going on, I feel like God is asking, stay focused on the main things. What are the main things? Things we just went over. God's word, the power of God's word. If man, I'm telling you, it's so interesting of how I can, without even thinking about it, watch a movie for two hours. But me getting in and being with the Lord for 15 minutes seems like a strain. There's no way that my heart can compete with the attention and affection of the world if I'm not countering it by putting God's word in my life so that I can have wisdom, discernment, power, to counter the kingdom of darkness. God's word, stay focused on the main things, him and his word. I'm telling you, if you aren't getting in the scriptures or with the Lord daily, daily, I'm telling you, daily, sometimes we kind of get a, we think we kind of get a pass, but we don't. God wants us to stay focused on the message, his power, what are the main things? Man, his power. God wants to demonstrate his power through his people. Always has. But sometimes his people are a little afraid of God not showing up, or they're a little afraid of just their faith's a little low. And so it's just kind of like we, we can have a model of Christianity that is zero power, and we wonder why our influence in a culture might be diminishing. Hmm, I wonder. Stay focused on the main things, his people and his supper. I mean, just gathering together with all this stuff coming at humanity about our lives. I've needed God's people in my life more than ever before because I need to process things. Man, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm feeling, man. What do you, th what do you think? Hey, man. Those friendships offer balance, offer wisdom, offer guidance, offer encouragement, offer correction. Like, hey, man, you're a little out there. Reel her back in. All right, man, I appreciate those friendships. But stay focused on the main things. Like this church did in Troas. Stay focused on the main things. Number two, realize opposition and rejection is part of God's sanctifying process in your life. To die to the world and be alive to God. Come on. 
Sometimes we think in our kind of American version, we can kind of, you know, just kind of ski through all the obstacles, and we're just going to be the super nice guy, and hey, we kind of dance all right, right? No, just kidding. But we kind of like avoid confrontation. We avoid rejection at all cost, mainly because our society, we're self-induced training ourselves. Oh my gosh, really? That person gave their honest opinion. Man, look at the feedback. Man, I don't want that feedback. I don't have time for that battle. Put her down. Realize opposition and rejection are part. It's just part of you becoming a mature son and daughter of God that you've dealt that you've dealt with the fear of man, that you've dealt with, man, I could be rejected by the entire world, but I'm accepted by the one, and that's all I need. If you are accepted in the beloved by Jesus Christ himself, that is the, that is the fullness of acceptance that you will ever feel in life. If you look to other human beings for your acceptance, you will always come up short. And then lastly, so stay focused on the main things. Know that persecution and opposition come to God's people no matter what. And then lastly, God has given you a courageous spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. God has given you a courageous spirit, so walk in it. Walk in it. I mean, that's, that's what, when, I mean, not only reading the scriptures, but just reading through church history, when you think of like, man, when all kinds of chaos was breaking through, man, it was God's people who he raised up to have a courageous spirit to do the right thing, to be his people, to be available for when the schemes of man, when God is laughing, you think that's going to work? No, as much as the enemy is trying to get humanity to go down the cattle rail, like everyone's the same. Eh, we're not even going to consider any differences. We're going to get everybody down this chute. God's laughing because as much as the enemy tries to get humanity to go down there, more and more people start waking up. More and more people start like, man, they become hungry for Christ. They become hungry because they more and more see, man, there's a lot of corruption out there. There's a lot of corruption and evil. Man, almost, I can't, I can't name one institution that doesn't have some sort of corruption and evil. And then you start realizing, oh my gosh, all those institutions are made up of people. Well, then people are corrupt and evil. Well, then the more you think about that, the more you start analyzing, well, I'm corrupt and evil. I can, anyway. God has given you a courageous spirit, so walk in it. And I feel like there's going to be ample opportunity <laughs> for you to practice you living in the spirit of courage that God has given you. Um, so yeah, let's stay focused on the main things. Know that rejection and opposition will come. But the call of God is for us to walk with a courageous spirit and to announce his kingdom. That Jesus is the only cure to what ails humanity. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. God, how much your word can 
speak to us, can still our heart, can bring peace that surpasses understanding. Father, I just thank you for these amazing sons and daughters of you. I thank you for their heart that searches after you. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. That, God, we're seeing hearts just become alive to you, wanting all that you have. And so, Lord, we just ask for more of that, more of a heart for your word, your power, God, your presence in our lives. God, we need you in this hour. God, we need, and you need your people to be who you've made them to be in this hour. And so, Father, Lord, we're, we're, we're almost just meeting you. God, you've provided so much for our lives to be redeemed and restored and set free. Father, I pray that we would actually live in the fullness of that. God, live in the fullness of what you came to provide all of humanity. And Father, as we get sucked into certain things as much that's ha it's happened since creation, powerful people wanting to subject to control humanity. It's a forever plan of the enemy. And so, Lord, we're not even shocked by it. But God, I just pray that your, your word and your spirit would break through in our lives and in the lives of your people all over the world for you to call and set apart your people in marvelous ways. So, Lord, we just thank you for your word. God, I just thank you for the life that you've given uh, just this community. And, God, we rejoice in that, and we say more, Lord, and we just thank you for the power of Jesus who has authority over all schemes of the enemy and powers and principalities. Lord, we thank you for being our great king and leader and lead us Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.